gummies for libido is nonsense. Obviously, that's not going to help it. You can't have something that we just talked about was so multifaceted that I've just spent three minutes talking about it and didn't even like scratch the surface and then fix it with a gummy bear, right? That's stupid. We were just talking about how profitable hormone health, women's health, sexual health is on Instagram as a side gig, which is just so wild to me. Right. There's people who do it great and there's doctors who do it great. And then there's people I'm like, oh man, screen creams and things like that. There's probably a place for them. I think I would view them more in the line with like sex toys that yeah. it's an individual thing and yeah some people do find heightened response or um a better climax and things like that so a yeah. little different but and i would just say with those creams always like test it elsewhere before yeah. you put it absolutely in clitoris vagina like you know don't ever put anything on your vulva or vagina without making sure you know testing it right other absolutely. absolutely absolutely all right let's quickly go on to kind of the general gynecology stuff let's talk about periods Let's Damn. talk about why women have more loose stools during your period. Yes. So this actually goes both ways, but that is the physiological one that I can reason through. So you have various hormones that are present in higher or lower amounts when you're on your menstrual cycle. And that same hormone stimulates the smooth muscle of the digestive tract and causes period poops. And I think that that's one of the most reaction things people have said when I've mentioned on my channel because they always felt like they were crazy. Yeah. Like everyone's like, yeah, I feel like that happens too, but I don't know anything about it. But it's definitely a real thing. <laughs> and then a lot of people asked me on my socials, what can you do for period pain? Like, how can you make period pain better? And like, you know, half the population is women and many, many women experience significant pain associated with menses. So... So the first thing I would say is if you're having menstrual pain that interferes with your ability to live your day-to-day -day life, then that's something that you need to see your doctor about and talk about. And if that doctor's not helping you, go on, find another one, whatever you need to do, because that's not something I'm going to be able to fix in a YouTube video. I have a YouTube video about PMS that goes through evidence-based fixes for various aspects of PMS. Period pain is one that we actually can do a good amount of help without going to the doctor as long as it's not severe, right? Right. If it's just like, oh God, I wish I could feel a little bit better. But if you're laid up in your bed, that's a different story. Over-the-counter meds can be helpful. I always tell people to go more on the inside side. I, I find it really interesting that there's all of these products specifically marketed towards period pain that include acetaminophen, Tylenol instead of ibuprofen or something like that, because yeah. it works so much better and we have really good evidence of that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, stay on that side with the, um, sorry, does it reduce uterine contractions, the NSAIDs? It decreases how much progestin is made in general because okay. it's got some activity as like a COX inhibitor and mm -hmm. it just works better. It's anti-inflammatory. Heat packs are great. So we actually have uh, data that says if you compare head-to-head over-the-counter meds to like a warming heat pack, it's equal or superior to use hate pack. Now, obviously you can double them together and that's even better. There's some decent data on, it's not quite as good as other data, but there's good data on TENS unit. Um, and I've had endo patients too, who found them very helpful. Exercise is a, is a controversial one. The data would say that exercising can be helpful, but I think in patients that you find that that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. In general, when I talk about exercise, it's having a good cardio routine throughout your cycle, not just when you're on your menstrual cycle. Yeah. Those are the main kind of not having to go to the doctor things. Okay. And then um, what about having sex during your period? Does that help with pain at all? It depends on the person. Orgasm can provide some relief for some people, but some people are, you know, I'm not interested in that because I don't like it or my partner isn't. 
or it actually makes me feel worse, so I don't want to. It's very individual, but there's nothing dangerous or worrisome about it. You know, lay down a towel and yeah. do what makes you happy or, you know, do in the shower or the bathtub. What about an orgasm? You could obviously have an orgasm in isolation without having intercourse or mm-hmm. intercourse. Has anyone looked at that specifically? I'd have to look and see. I mean, I would guess that it provides some relief, even if just from a standpoint of the activation of various nerves and you can't transmit all of the pain signals at the same time as, as pleasure signals. But I don't know about like a lasting, I'd have to look into the data. I'm not sure. Last thing, uh, let's talk about vaginal hygiene. And this is a big one that I get very frustrated about because I also see a lot of patients who uh, worry about their hygiene because of recurrent urinary tract infections. But I want to hear you. What? Let's hear what you have to say about vaginal hygiene. Well, I'm sure you tell them all that it has nothing to do with, you know, hygiene doesn't change your urinary tract infection rates. That's a really common misconception. Right. Some of the best moments in life are spontaneous, unplanned, but for men dealing with moderate to severe erectile dysfunction or ED, preparing for intimacy can rob you and your partner of spontaneity. The joy of living in the moment. Now you can restore that spark in your relationship with the AMS 700 implant, a clinically proven permanent solution designed for your satisfaction and your partner's. It's the number one physician-preferred implant. It's built to look and feel natural. Happy partners agree. 92% of patients and 96% of their partners report sexual activity with the implant excellent or satisfactory. It gives you the ability to respond to your partner's wishes in the moment, not minutes or hours later. The AMS 700. No pills, no injections, no waiting. For more information, visit edcure.org slash podcast. That's E-D-C-U-R-E dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Sponsored by Boston Scientific. The vagina is a self-cleaning oven. If you've watched any <laughs> gynecology YouTuber, you've heard us or anybody on the internet, if you have us say that, and it needs very little attention as far as cleaning or hygiene goes. So I try to tell people like, just use water, you know, spread the labia, use some water, use your hand and avoid soaps. But if you must, if you must use a soap, which it's not my favorite, but hey, you know, some people really want to, then make sure it is unscented, gentle, something that you would be okay with putting on your face. I would encourage people like just get a face wash, like an unscented dermatologist recommended face wash if you must put some kind of soap down there, but nothing inside. Don't put it in the vagina. No douching you know, just on the outside. Yes, your vagina does not need to smell like key lime pie or peaches or anything else that the media tells you to. Because that's really weird. I don't want to smell like a pina colada. That's, mm, no, mm -mm, no. And then what about discharge? Like how much discharge is normal? When should people worry? Discharge is normal in the absence of an associated other symptom. So Mm -hmm. if you have discharge and you don't have pain, you don't have itching, you don't have an odor, there's nothing else going on, it's probably normal. Yeah. There are very few exceptions to that. You should learn your cycle. So if you're not on any form of external hormones, you can see a predictable change in your discharge through the cycle. So early on, it's you know thicker, kind of sticky white. And then as you get closer to ovulation, you'll have like sticky but clear, almost like an egg white consistency. And then after that, significantly less as your progesterone rises after ovulation. So there's a predictable pattern to it. I think for people who are concerned about it or bothered by it, that it's really helpful to learn that and and they feel more comfortable. But it's usually normal. And I think we don't tell kids in 
like period education that enough because I get a lot of people who are late teens who are really worried about it because nobody's told them that it's normal. And there's also like weird products for discharge, which, you know, you don't need. Yeah. Discharge is normal and healthy. And it's only going to get worse. And the thing is, is that those are going to throw your microbiome off and then you're going to end up with discharge that is not normal and you have, you know, other symptoms and and things like that. Right. So that was actually my next question. Recurrent bacterial vaginosis. I see it more and more because a lot of Recurrent UTI patients also have recurrent BV because of the microbiome issue. But let's talk a, a little bit about, you know, how can you prevent that? Yeah. I think folic acid is the one thing that, like, the crunchy community who often does misinformation actually gets right. But not as just, you know, use a boric acid suppository on a whim all the time. I really like induction method with boric acid. So if somebody has recurrent BV, we've now decided, diagnosed it again to pair the metronidazole treatment with boric acid suppositories for the week that you're taking the antibiotic, finish the boric acid out for a month, full month of that, and then do weekly to decrease the incidence of it returning. That can be really helpful. And then weekly till for like a year, like how long? It's individual. So if it's somebody that has never had this problem in the past and it's new, then I'm talking about like, do you have a new partner? Are we, you know, sleeping with more people now? Is something causing that to happen? Because it can in some circumstances, be kind of seated. It's always hard to explain because it's not really an STI, but we do know it has an association with that. So it is a harder one to explain to patients, but that can contribute. So I'm talking to them about that. And then I would say usually maybe six months, go off of it, see what happens. Yeah. It's a fairly innocuous thing to use. So I have a pretty low threshold if someone is happy with that and then they go off of it and it happens again to just let them continue it. Yeah. So I don't prescribe it a lot, but I had a partner who would prescribe it often for recurrent UTIs and she had really good results. Mm-hmm. But I do, and I, I is there data on that? There's not. There's oh, not. But she had good results. We should do a study. Yeah, we should. Absolutely. Um, but isn't there a certain amount of time you can't have sex after you use the suppository? I would say you probably would want to use it like at night before you go to bed and by the time you wake up, it should be fine. Yeah. I don't think it is dangerous, is it? I don't know. I don't know. I I just remember reading that somewhere that there was a period of time, you know, where you couldn't. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll go back. I only tell people to just use it at night before they go to sleep. And I would think that the only thing would be that it takes time for the suppository to dissolve. So Mm -hmm. maybe it would disrupt that. Or it is toxic orally. So you certainly wouldn't want to have that and have penis and vagina sex and then move straight to oral. Right. But I don't don't know. I don't think so. I, I mean, I certainly don't. We should look this up. We'll look it up. I'll put it in the description. All right. We'll finish off with a rapid round of questions. So just the first thing that comes to mind, what is the one thing that you learned in in your lifetime that you wish you learned earlier? I think the communicating with your partner to make your sex life better part. Okay. Tell me what's one non-negotiable, something that you have to do every single day that if you don't do, you feel incomplete. Brushing my teeth. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. That's, That's good. Yeah. But what is one thing that you wish you could do to change the world to be a better place? Reducing maternal mortality around the globe is something I'm very passionate about. And I think we have the tools to do very effectively. And lastly, share either a personal life hack or a health hack that you want our audience to know about. So a lot of people are throwing out underwear that gets period stains. And you can manage that in two ways that are both pretty effective. One, a lot of people know about hydrogen peroxide will take out blood most of the time, but it still sometimes leaves a stain. I really like a meat tenderizer. So powdered meat tenderizer is meant to break down proteins in a steak, right? 
the same proteins are present in blood. And if you spread that on a period stain, leave it and then wash it like normal, most of the time will come completely out. So save your underwear. That's, That's amazing. Up. I love that. <laughs> well